Hello, 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 and welcome to Clara and Danny's Extraordinary Podcast. I'm Clara. And I'm Danny. And this is a podcast about the NBC TV show Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, in case you hadn't guessed. Each week, while the show airs, we'll release a new episode breaking down what happened on the show that week and our reactions to it. We'll give our overall impressions, dive deep into key plot points, and of course, break down each episode's heart songs. We've decided to start on season two immediately since it's on right now, but we'll go back to season one sometime during the next hiatus. This is our third podcast together, and for each of the podcasts we've hosted, we've chosen a show we really love. But this one has special resonance for for me, Clara. Like Zoe, I work in the tech industry in the Bay Area, and like Zoe, I'm very close to my dad. And also like Zoe four years ago, my dad was diagnosed with a rare neurological disorder. It's not the same one that Mitch has in the show, but there are some commonalities across these progressive degenerative disorders, and I think even more similarities in the experience that Zoe and I share as people who are close to someone who has one. I felt this acutely watching season one, which came out right when my dad was coming home after a three-month stint in rehab following an injury that was made more complicated by his particular disorder and the sort of medical needs that arise from that. The show did a lot to help me process what he was going through and what I was feeling as a result of it. It opened up space for some of the hard conversations I had to have with him and other family members. So I think all of this is to say that, yes, this is going to be a podcast where we talk about everything that goes into making a fun TV musical, hopefully with some of the people who make this one. But for me, it's also a really deeply personal podcast. So you'll probably get a little bit of a a little bit of both, a little bit of fun, a little bit of a dealing with our feelings. I mean, that is kind of like our thing. Like we <laughs> we, we pick the saddest fucking shows that are also deeply funny. What can we say? We have a very particular brand of humor. We really do. Um, I mean, I, I feel like I should put it out there that I actually um, did not receive the show very well the first time I tried to watch it. <laughs> and um, I insisted that you try again. <laughs> and you insisted that I try again. I mean, like, I feel, and it, we'll get into it more, but I feel like it's because the first episode is so jarring. Mm-hmm. But I think you're supposed to feel that way because she feels that way. Yes. They did yeah. a really good job of that. And <laughs> I think that that's why I was just like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> is this too much? But you get used to it. Yeah, yeah. And you, you loved it in the end, right? I did. I think, what was it, maybe like episode four or five that I was like, okay, I really like this. <laughs> Skylar Aston won you over. <laughs> I mean, that's not hard, but... <laughs> Okay, so that's this is just a trailer. So that's that's covering most of what we're going to cover, just a little logistics. But before we go, since we haven't done season one yet, I thought it might be fun to do like a little highlights from season one and hopes for season two. So if you have not watched season one yet and you're hearing this trailer, hit stop now unless you want to hear all manner of spoilers. Which, like, what? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but, you know, people could have gotten excited by the trailers for season two anyway. Yeah, yeah, people are weird like yeah. that. I know, I know. Yeah, so Danny, highlights. My highlights, I feel like for me, like the highlights are like in my mind are like certain numbers, certain musical numbers. Okay. Um, like I loved, I love the very first episode with uh, with her dad, Mitch, singing. Uh, oh, True Colors, the Cindy Lauper song. True Colors, song. because yeah. I love that song in general. It's just, I've always loved that song, but it's just like, oh, wow. Like I feel like you just like, you know exactly what kind of show it's going to be like right off the bat. Like. 
Yeah, I was rewatching it the first episode with my husband, and he like turned to me when they're on the sailboat in the pilot episode and was like, "I forgot how like deep they got into this in the very first episode." I I'd forgotten that too. I was like, "Oh wow, they really just like they showed their hand like really early like what this show is going to be about." Yeah. Um and I definitely one of my favorite musical numbers from the entire show is the the number between um, Simon and his ex fiance. Oh yeah, Jessica. I think Jessica, is her name. Yeah. Um, the happier, the Bastille mm-hmm. slash Marshmallow song. Um, just like the musical arrangement that they pulled for it, and like the, the like the dance number that they did. It shook me, but I feel like I I like, and I think that's like you had personal resonance with with Zoe, and I feel like that crumbling of their relationship unfolded right after I'd just gotten out of a relationship that was really hard to end. And like that song was something that I had already was like related to. So when I heard that, I was just like, that like cut me deep. Yeah. I remember you also mentioned um, the Proclaimers song 500 Mi- or um, Wannabe, I think is what it's called. I want to be. Yeah, I I mean I love that song anyways. It's such a jam. <laughs> That's my go-to karaoke song. I love that song and I've loved it ever since I saw the movie Benny and June when I was really young. Hmm. Which is a very problematic movie now, but was really good at the time. <laughs> but yeah, I I loved it and obviously Skylar Aston performed it and I've been a fan of his for a long time. At this point, I don't know what Pitch Perfect came out, what, 10 years ago now? I think um, <laughs> longer than that from the first one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, he's a really good singer, and I just, like, that's a, a song that's just, like, I don't know, it's not hard. It's, it's kind of hard to make it sound really good and not, like, over the top. Not cheesy. Yeah, not cheesy. Like, it's a very cheesy song, and, like, I don't Which know. Which is why it's my go-to karaoke song, because, like, cheese is, is the number one factor you're looking for in karaoke. It's true. <laughs> it's true. But I, I loved that, and I really loved the the crazy number. Oh, yeah, yeah. When Jane sings that. I feel like that's when I really was, like, I think that's the first time that I heard her, like, her musical, like, talent really, really come through. Because, like, I feel like a lot of the songs aren't really her, you know? Yeah, yeah. She sings sometimes, but it's pretty rare. Yeah, well, I mean, for most of it, she's just listening to other people. And then I, I think you're going to mention it, but, like, the the American Pie number in, at the very end. Oh, yeah. Of the show. Yeah. That last episode, I mean, like, is just a gut punch, so. I, I actually love that you approached it from musical numbers, because that is very different from what I did. I was just like, <laughs> these things made me cry, and so I loved them. I mean, there was a lot, like, I feel like that made me cry, but, like, for some reason, musical numbers stick out in my mind. Like, that's, like, since I need to rewatch it again when we deep dive into season one, but, like, that's what sticks out in my mind. That, and I love the, when, um... When Simon Sings Jealous by Nick Jonas, just because I'm a huge oh, yeah. Nick Jonas fan, and I just fucking love that song. But it's just like that whole moment is just hilarious. Well, okay, <laughs> now that you've done the fun part, I will talk about all the things that made me cry in season one. Um, <laughs> so I think most of my favorite moments from season one were, were again, like big emotional moments. Um, and the sort of three that I'm, I'm pulling out to highlight are um, in no particular order. When Zoe and her brother finally, like, take action to get Maggie to accept 
help with Mitch and um, just help in general because she's been like taking everything on for herself forever. Um, when Zoe's emotions spill over and she starts acting out her own heart songs. So, I mean, all of the numbers that she did there were were good, but I think especially the the scene in the boardroom. That was crazy. Like, oh, I was just like, so much I was so, so anxious watching that yes. whole episode. <laughs> well, and I think like, I'll get into it a little bit more, but like, I think by that point they had, they had set a couple times like what other people are seeing. So like there's the, epi- there's the moment in the coffee shop with Mo, like seeing, saying like, oh, he sees is a bunch of people uh, just like getting coffee or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that is, I think, the most when we're in somebody else's perspective while it's happening. <laughs> and of course, she's actually like singing in the real world. So anyway, uh, mm-hmm. that one for sure. Um, and then like all of the last episode, which I like, this is not an exaggeration at all. I like we got to the point. I can't remember if it was when Mitch died or like a little bit before then but I literally like I just started sobbing and had to pause it for 15 full minutes and just cry like there was nothing else I could do and I'm like (laughs) that's not a thing I normally do in tv shows um but it just I it so resonated with me I think like obviously especially like being in the situation that I'm in and my dad being in the situation that he's in, right? Like having mm-hmm. that particular resonance, but it also just was a, a, I think a very, it felt very realistic how they portrayed his death and her reaction to it. And then um, I appreciated the like scene where she's dancing with her dad, with her dad's like, Oh yeah. I love that one. I, I, I don't know if I would say ghost, but you know, like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> manifestation and mm-hmm. I, I, there was something really special to me about the fact that, like, he brought her away from having to, like, directly watch the death because it's like he was still sort of protecting her in that moment. And I'm, like, welling up talking about it, so I should probably stop there. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, so I'm, I'm, I'm very close. I was very close with my grandpa. So there were definitely parts of the show and her grief that reminded me of losing my grandpa. Like, I think it really hit me. In the final episode as well, like, that whole, like, ghost conversation that she has, like, reminds me of, like, I don't know, it just reminded me of something, like, my grandpa would do, like, even though he can't do that, but, like, yeah, I was not able to emotionally be there when my grandpa passed. Like, a couple of my family members were actually there, but, like, I was like, I can't do it. Like, I can't be there. I just couldn't do it. So, like... What I had done is I had written him a note and had my grandma read it to him. But mm. I think I said bye to him like a couple days before because I was like, I just like, I can't do it. Yeah. And I think there was something special about, I mean, it's a different situation that she, she like she was in the house and she'd been in the room up until that moment. But like, I did feel like that was him trying to relieve her of any guilt that she might have about any of it. Not just about like being in the room or whatever, but like. When you're losing a loved one, especially if it's progressive and not sudden, uh, there's no guidebook and there's all these questions that you have about, like, am I doing the right thing at any given point in time? And so I think, for me, that scene was the culmination of, like, yeah, there's there's no manual for doing this and, like, just cut yourself a little slack. It's going to be hard enough without you beating yourself up. Yeah, and I think that's really important. Like, we've discussed in 
even our last podcast, like, there's no wrong way to grieve. Yeah. Everyone grieves differently. So I feel like that is, like, a really good, like, kind of portrayal of of showing that. Yeah. Well, so we should talk about what we want to see in season two. You want to go first again? Sure. So for season two... For one, like, I feel like this this takes place in San Francisco. The show needs to be just a little bit more queer for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, like, obviously, there's Mo. Mm-hmm. Very queer. But, like, so, like, the very first episode, like, the I had already known, like, kind of what was going to happen a little bit because of Tumblr and, like, the internet <laughs> and stuff. So, like, I knew that Max was going to have feelings for Zoe. And I also think it was in the trailer. But something about his character in the the pilot specifically, I was like, he just seems like the gay best friend. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, I, like, so it's like, even though I knew it was coming, like, it was almost shocking anyways <laughs> that he had feelings for her because he just doesn't seem like he has feelings for her. You know? <laughs> Who do you like think he, he has feelings for? <laughs> they both have a thing for Simon. No, I'm just kidding. I definitely thought that Leaf and um oh what is and the Tobin? Yeah, Leaf and Tobin were gonna I be more 100% than percent thought they were a thing. I was so shocked when <laughs> Leaf was not gay. I mean that and that's fine. Like I mean that's totally breaking that whole stereotype yeah. of Yeah. Of that. But like of the, I like totally manicured read... man being gay, yeah. Yeah. And I, I totally read Tobin as, as gay for him at least. So mm-hmm. like that's when he's he saying don't speak. Yeah, that's true. When he's when he's saying don't speak about losing his connection to Lee Falls, all that is the gayest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and I was there for it. And I know I'm not the only one. There's a lot of people who ship them and they are called coder boyfriends. <laughs> um, I feel like we should probably state at this moment that we're both bisexual women. Just <laughs> yes, but <laughs> to be clear, I, I feel like that. I mean, like I feel like I always do this, but I would love to see Max be bisexual. Like I would love that. You would love like, to see everyone on the show be bisexual. Let's be real. This is true. This is true. But especially Max. But especially Max. And, of course, like, I also ship the Coder boyfriend, so I'm down for that. Um. <laughs> okay, so season two, what, we started this with what, what do you want to see in season two? So you want to see... Queer. More queer. Queer rep. <laughs> queer rep. <laughs> um, I also would love to see, like, what are they going to do with, uh, with Peter Gallagher? Is he still going to be on the show? Are we going to mm. get just, like, flashbacks? Because I feel like flashbacks for context will be really important eventually, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like they can't just, like, not have them on. I would like to see that. I, I just want more, like, kind of, like, flashbacks in general. Like, I feel like a lot of these characters need mm-hmm. more of a backstory. Um, I know I read that Max's dad is going to show up at some point. Oh, interesting. And I know he does not have a good relationship with his dad. That doesn't surprise me for some reason. Yeah. But, I mean, we'll get into all of our feelings about them and, like, that stuff. Like, the, the love triangle and all of that eventually. All right. So, what I am looking forward to in season two, um, I like everything you said. But the things that I sort of <laughs> tend to focus on, being very self-centered as I am, are uh, <laughs> the way, like, I am interested to see how Zoe works through her grief. And specifically, oh, yes. like, the extent to which the, like, channels of communication stay open open between her her mother and her brother because I think like one of the things that felt very real to me and also very important about that first season is like 
they had to change the way that they started talking to each other and interacting with each other and being more sort of... It's not that they weren't honest with each other before, but maybe being a little more blunt with each other yeah. um, to try to work through this thing. And I think it would be easy for that to disappear now and for them to sort of like fade back into this like, okay, let's go back to normal kind of situation. But I don't, I don't want that to happen. I have a feeling within at least the first couple episodes, we'll definitely be seeing Zoe deal with like the five stages of grief. And yeah. like, I would really love to see how they interpret that musically. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, and I also think she needs to go to therapy. But we always say this, everyone needs to go to therapy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but I mean, I feel like it's it's very, especially in her case. Yeah, I just feel like that would be a really interesting dynamic to, like, show, especially with, like, the whole musical aspect. Seeing, like, what her, like, <laughs> her therapist thinks. like Yeah, because, yeah. like, that's maybe not something you want to know. <laughs> I don't know that mm-hmm. I always want to know what my therapist thinks. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, I think... One thing that I sort of, this is a soft prediction, because I, I don't know if it's a season two prediction or just like a general thing, but I think it would be interesting to see, I think Maggie's going to have another relationship at some point. And I think that's where we're going to see like some some of that like communication conflict with the kids again. And, and part of that is because it's such a trope, right? Like the the parent dies and then the other parent gets back in a relationship and the kids think it's too soon or whatever. I was thinking about this actually. And I was like, for some reason, I just felt like maybe she would start seeing the the guy that took care of the dad. Ooh, Howie. Is that his name? I think so. Man, that would be like a really interesting confluence of like both the trope that I was talking about and the, um, what is it? The Florence Nightingale effect. Yeah. <laughs> it would be very tropey, but I feel like it would work. I will and say. And it would make sense because I feel like, you know, people do lean on someone who was, like, there for. I thought like, you were going to say that it was that she would get together with, um, uh, is it Patty Lapone who plays the, the pie lady? I think so. <laughs> I think. I thought you were going to say that they were going to get together. I mean, you know, I'm always down for, like, super late, like, uh, (laughs) realizing you're queer. Like, I would be down for that queer storyline, too, but I just, like, don't see it. Like, I I don't know why, but Zoe's family just is really straight to me. (laughs) Well, I think it's because her brother, especially. Her brother's very straight, but, like, even Zoe herself, like, she's very straight, in my opinion. Like, I usually try to make most characters gay or bi, but, like, I just, like, she's not on that radar. She doesn't give off that vibe. Mm-mm. But yeah, I can see the I can see Maggie and Howie getting together, and I can see that being hard, not ju- like for a variety of reasons for the kids. Oh yeah, yeah. I would also like to see his daughter again because she was pretty awesome. She was. That was. Oh, that was another great. Actually, that that was one of my favorite musical numbers. I think that was awesome. I mean, like you just don't see it that often. So yeah. I mean, that representation. All right. I I think that basically. We can call this trailer done. Hopefully, all y'all listening from our like last ten minute discussion of season one and season like what we're expecting in season two get a sense for what we're about and the sort of frenetic nature of our conversation. <laughs> um, well. So yeah, hope you join us this season, and you can follow us on Instagram at our extraordinary podcast. Bye. Bye.